This is Margaret Copeman Frankwitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. So, <laughs> I was supposed to meet with my dietitian yesterday, and it was my first time actually meeting with her, and I just completely forgot. All I could focus on was work yesterday, getting out the door, and technically speaking, I didn't wake up till 10.30. My appointment was at 10. I did not even wake up till 10.30, and so I ignored the call, and it was a phone call too. How can you be late for a phone call? I just don't get it. Okay, so she's probably thinking the same thing, and she's like, huh, she's blowing me off. No, I wasn't blowing her off. I just completely forgot. I mean, I had even verified it the day before. I just... My sleep is precious. I had a hard day the night before, so um, unfortunately I missed my appointment. So I called them back and they were actually quite nice about the whole situation. I would have been furious, honestly. This is probably the reason why I'm not a dietitian. And she is, because she's she's got patience. (laughs) She has patience with me, so I appreciate that. And the office said, well, how about we take care of this in a half an hour? How does that sound? I'm like, what? Really? I was an idiot and you're going to compensate me for that and say it's okay and tell me that you're going to, I like my heart, like they're gold. Okay. So they're already on my, you know, nice list. I got to get them a Christmas card for, you know, the end of the year. They're on my Christmas list because that was like the super nicest thing anybody could ever do. So to my health care professionals. Thank you so much. Okay, so I got to talk about what we've talked about since I did actually mention a previous podcast that I was actually going to discuss what me and my dietitian actually said and where I can go from here. So I just basically let my dietitian know everything. And I mean, we were on the phone for a little over an hour. She was trying to cut me off at that point, but I had so much to say about everything. And and of course, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know, I can talk and talk and talk and talk. Okay. About some important things and some unnecessary things and some off the wall things. But, um, of course, when it comes to diabetes, of course, you you and I know. she Now, she doesn't know that I have a podcast. She doesn't know I'm talking about her. I'm not going to give her name out, obviously. But um, I had a lot to say about the whole diabetes health, what, what you guys know, dietitians. So I'm sort of not thrilled with the advice that that's actually given, but I sort of am because they are getting on the same page. And it's amazing. Either that or she's trying to get on the page that I'm at. Either way, it's sinking. And this is important information, okay? So thank you very much for listening to this podcast. All about diabetics, all about diabetes, all about survival, all about how can we take care of ourselves the best that we can. How can we go as long as possible without getting on insulin? I think that a lot of healthcare professionals and patients actually agree. Insulin, um, if you can actually put that off for a while, is probably the best thing because once you're on insulin, you're not, you know, going to be the same. Okay, I'll just say that. It's very vague, I know. But it's just not the same anymore. So what can we do with diet first? Diet, exercise. What can we do with weight loss? 
So I let Penny know. Uh, now she she's aware of the medications that I'm taking with metformin and Ozepic. And I had, of course, to report to her that I've lost a total of 14 pounds in the past month on Ozepic. I'm thrilled. She's thrilled. She thinks I can do even better than that. And I don't necessarily know if I want to, but okay, let's make them happy. So I had to stop her at some point, though, because she was saying something about carbs, 35 grams of carbs per meal. I had to stop her. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm keto. I don't do that. I explained to her a little about bit about keto, how long I've been on it, where my numbers were at when I started, which is 11.4, where they're at now, which is a lot less, and what it's basically done for me by actually eliminating carbs to a point. And so if you think I'm on keto lose weight, I'm not. I'm on keto to actually maintain my diabetes. The Ozapec, on the other hand, is where I can actually lose the weight. The problem with keto is at some point you're going to plateau. You might plateau, let's say you have to lose like 100 pounds. You might plateau at 60 pounds. You cannot lose any more weight. You have to start looking at other diets to actually help you break that plateau and continue your trend downwards if that's what your goal is to do, which mine is. So I plateaued on the keto. So I was not all about the whole weight loss thing. I had been the same weight for years but with Ozapec, it was actually able to break through that plateau and I was actually able to start my fat burning process once again. And this is completely, like my weight is completely due to uh, insulin resistance. And so this is the reason why when I start not only eating healthy, exercising, but taking the medications that I'm on, it's literally, like if I'm not on the medications, I will not lose weight. If I'm just dieting, and exercising and it's an absolute conundrum for certain weight trainers and if any weight trainer said oh yeah I can change that I wouldn't do it because I know already how hard I push myself and I do push myself pretty hard at times so I certainly don't need somebody else to be my motivator because I am my own motivation what motivates me I don't know looking better in my clothes feeling great, having more energy. There's certain things that actually motivate me, certain aspects, uh, certain ideal images that I want to look like. Those are all motivation for me. That's enough. Not to mention being the best that I possibly can be. So she agreed that, that um, keto is definitely the way that diabetics should control their diabetes because it's eliminating the carbs. So she, I mean, she didn't have any beef with that. As a matter of fact, she was okay. And I'm glad because the last thing that I needed was a challenge from a dietitian that I shouldn't be on the keto diet and that I need to stick to their plan, which is, uh, she said 30, 35 grams of carbs per meal. Well, if you think about that, if you're looking at a day's worth of carbs, you're looking at a lot of carbs. Now, she did say you need to get some carbs in your diet. Okay, that's fine. But no more than 25 to 30. Actually, go 20 to 30 grams of carbs a day, not per meal. So I did correct her on that. Um, and she was okay with that. And then we just started discussing what it's like. Like, for instance, those people who actually 
like, you know, everybody goes through hard times at times, except for if you're really rich and congratulations. But for the majority of us, we go through hard times where we actually need to go to a food pantry on occasion or to a church to try to get food to uh, sustain ourselves. Some people have to do this long term because their social security check just does not stretch that far. Their payroll check doesn't stretch that far. I know, unbelievable, right? You'd think that $10 an hour, you'd be able to take care of everything. Now I'm saying that a little bit facetiously, but hear me out. No job out there is going to pay $26 an hour, except I did find one. That was the marijuana dispensaries. Um, But good luck getting a job there because everybody who actually does smoke pot wants a job there. And if you don't smoke pot, you're kind of on the outskirts. So anyways, that being said there. So I brought this up because it was a concern. The people who are going to the food pantries, they're going in there trying to get food for themselves or their families. And they're getting, and you know, they mean well, the food pantries mean well. They're giving them canned, a lot of canned items. Well, canned items have BPAs. In them. I didn't discuss this with the dietitian because I was already discussing a lot. Maybe in my next appointment with her on the 6th, I'll go ahead and discuss more, but this is stuff that needs to be talked about, right? But, you know, poor people need something besides bread and besides rolls and besides Cheerios and besides, you, you, you get what I'm saying, the grains and stuff that they actually provide. This was deemed healthy for the population a long time ago and was socially accepted and put into the food pyramid. So when you look at the food pyramid, you think that you're getting what you need. And for the majority of population that can take it in and not have any problems with diabetes, that's great. But where I live at, they have a very high incidence of diabetes. But interestingly enough, if you go to Idaho, for instance, you're going to find it's a very high incidence of diabetes there as well. What is going on here, people? Well, when you actually have people in the low income bracket and they cannot afford good foods like avocados and like I got to add my garlic and onions, even though that's not completely perfectly uh, keto friendly or whatnot, according to some extreme keto people. But I do add garlic. I add onions. I add um, cabbage. I add green beans. Um... I said avocado already. I got a spring salad mix, as a matter of fact, from Costco. Or not Costco, but Sam's Club the other day. And um, coffee, of course. So th- there's there's food choices that you can actually make, which you're not going... Like, if you're just starting keto, you're not going to know all of this overnight. You might just stick with eggs just because that's all you know. But it's one of the things where I've had to actually adapt my diet to actually fit what my, um, you know, to try to lower my blood sugar numbers. And of course it's, I'm going to tell you, it's difficult. It's it's not an easy road to be on by any means. She did catch me off guard one thing though. And that was, um, she said, you might want to eat some carbs so you don't get the keto flu. And I just looked at her and laughed. I laughed because I had it last week. I had the keto flu, and I, I I thought this was a myth. I've never had the keto flu before, but I certainly got the keto flu, and I couldn't imagine. I could not even think of where I had caught this at. I'm like, where did I catch this from? Well, 
the keto flu, I don't know a lot about it, but um, it it mimics flu-like symptoms. You can't necessarily spread a keto flu as far as I know. And um, it, it makes you feel miserable for a few days. And then it goes away miraculously. So um, I had uh, ganged up on the garlic quite heavily and it kind of knocked it out of the ballpark. So um, interestingly enough, garlic works very well. Unless it was the keto fluid. This is just getting confusing at this point. So as I was discussing, now she was trying to catch me on something. And, you know, I'm, I'm like down with the whole diabetic diet just because I've been on it for such a long time and I've been trying so hard with it. So I was thinking, she's not going to catch me on anything. And then she actually caught me on something. What she caught me on is the fact that I have not been checking my numbers. Now, sure, I get an A1C, but technically speaking, I should be seeing where my blood sugars are at on a regular basis. And, you know, back when I was a pre-diabetic, I did this all the time. My fingers hurt all the freaking time because I was testing myself before I ate after I ate, an hour after I ate, three hours after. So I I was doing this consistently, wasting a lot of test strips and being frustrated with the whole process. And you probably have been through it. And if you have, I'm really sorry. Um, But she did mention there is a system out there. And I know this system because I've seen a girl with it. And I asked her about it. It's called Freestyle Libre. And with a Freestyle Libre, it's like a little round disc. You plug it on the back of your arm. It's good for about 14 days. It actually gives you your readings. It shows you where you're at, where you're not at. And this may actually help a lot of people out there who are trying to cut back on their carbs or at least see what they can eat and what they shouldn't be eating and what it's going to actually do to your numbers. And you're less likely to go to the Chinese restaurant where you're having your favorite dumplings If you know it's going to shoot your blood pressure, or not your blood pressure, but your blood sugar through the park at like 300 and some odd whatever when you look at your phone. Because it'll actually send a reading, it's it's actually controlled by Bluetooth, it'll send a reading to your phone and show you what your numbers are at. So you're less likely to choose a meal that you know is going to spike it over something like Chipotle where you're having a cauliflower bowl with some meat on it or something and you know it'll actually spike it gradually like maybe 30 40 points as compared to spiking it like 180 points right so and if you're that high then I would definitely you know watch my numbers so I haven't been in that super high range nor do I plan on going into that super high range anytime soon So the sooner you can nip your diabetes in the bud and take care of yourself, the less complications you're going to have later on, if any. Now, when I was reading my paper here for the dietitian, it says, yes, I have type 2 diabetes. I already knew that. But what was really nice, it said without complications, without long-term current use of insulin. That is a badge of honor, people. If you're not having to take insulin yet and you have no complications, you're in good shape. 
and you're in good shape to keep yourself in good shape until the day you die. Well, you know what? Make it your goal to die from something besides diabetes, like maybe a shark attack or, you know, jumping out of an airplane without a parachute or something like some kind of weird freak accident. Don't let it be your life mission that you're going to die from diabetes. Okay. So try to die from something else or maybe uh, open heart surgery. No, no. Okay. Let's do something a little bit less weird. Like maybe carpal tunnel and uh, like you have carpal tunnel and you actually have a surgery done and you die from the surgeon accidentally stabbing your main artery and you bleed to death or something. Okay. So just think of it that way, then it's not so bad because technically speaking, ironically speaking, diabetes isn't necessarily going to kill you. It's going to be something else because in today's society, you know, it's just different. So for those of you listening, they started thinking about the time of Socrates and how they actually, because they, they diagnosed what diabetes was like well before, you know, our medical modern inventions. Okay. So back then, um, they called it something else and they actually used to have testers who would go and drink people's urine to see if it was sweet because if it was, that meant that they were suffering from this diabetes. Ew. Like, I'm so glad things have changed. Like, the physicians were the samplers. The physicians were testing it. And that's how they knew when they had this. You'd think that all they'd have to do is smell, but no, they were drinking it. Ew. Okay. So things have changed, and it's come a long way. Now we have blood glucose meters which are not my friend. Like, I've I've stuck myself more than I even want to think about. And I'll tell you what my problem is. My problem is, is, um, well, okay, so I have to test my blood sugars. I don't want to. Okay, that's that's my problem, okay? I, I actually stuck myself earlier, and it confirmed why I didn't want to actually test my blood sugar. Because... My liver, my malfunctioning liver, which needs to be fixed, will either bottom out my blood sugar numbers or it'll speed it up. And there's not really a lot I can do about it except do exactly what I normally do. Drink lots of water and uh, try to eliminate the carbs and try to bring my my blood sugar numbers back down. The problem with diabetes is is you literally got to pee it out. So, I I mean, if I had a physician testing my urine right now, which I would not expect my doctor to do, okay, mind you, nor should you expect yours to do, and ew, gross, just check your blood sugars and see where they're at. Easier said than done, right? Well, I did test mine twice. I stuck myself twice, like after I talked to my dietitian. Because she was insisting on this, right? Like, I'm continuing on the Ozapic. Okay, that's fine. But they need to decide if they're actually going to get me off of, for instance, my metformin or my Ozapic. Now, my goal is I want to try to break down to a 5 or a 6. So, and I've been stuck at around 6, 7, 8 for the longest time. 
and um, not having a very good diet when I was going through my poor phase. Um, that's the only reason why I've been kind of complaining about what they actually feed poor people. So, I mean, I could not live that lifestyle, nor would I want to. But talking to her about it, the dietitian, was interesting because she's also discussed this with people in that field. But what are the types of food we can actually give diabetics? Because she has straight up told them we need to actually get away from the staples like rice, potatoes, uh, breads. These are the things that are not good for diabetics. And because we have such a high rate of or incidence of diabetes in the area, they're just going to have to start serving good foods like pork, chicken, fish, eggs. And um, I've even heard that pork wasn't necessarily a good choice because it could raise, for instance, um, it's either blood sugars or blood pressure. I'm not quite sure on the two. I'd have to actually look that up. But um, that's what I've heard anyways. I, I haven't actually heard any experts really talk about pork. So I'll make sure to keep you updated in future episodes. So basically the conclusion boiled down to this. She wanted me to check my blood sugars more. She's proud of me for losing 14 pounds. She was surprised that I actually lost 12 pounds the first two weeks that I was on Ozepec. I only lost a pound each on the last two weeks. I'm now supposed to up, um, dose up on my Ozepec. So um, I'll actually be taking 0.50 instead of 0.25. So this is probably the reason why she told me it's super critical for me to actually test my blood sugar. So I agreed to do that. You know, I was stubborn about it, but I told her I'd do it, and I will. Um, The thing is that she didn't tell me how many times a day I was supposed to check it, which is good. But I'll probably test myself in the mornings like I do everything else. I just, I'm irritated. Um... One thing I didn't know, though, is I was actually looking at my Rely On Meter as a Premier. And I thought the test strips, and this may be old school, this is, must be what they used to do, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But they used to expire after a month. And I was checking my strips, and it might be because I do have the Premier version of Rely On instead of just the Rely On Meter. But they don't, the test strips don't expire for an entire year. So as long as you keep it in a cool, dry environment, you should be fine. So um, yeah, that's a good thing. So that's my update on the dietitian, and of course I'll talk to her more next month, and she'll ask me how I'm doing because of course she wants to know how the Ozapic is actually working, and I'm actually thrilled. I wasn't really planning on losing 14 pounds, but I'm looking so good in my clothes right now that I actually do want to lose a little bit more weight um, and then go model or something because I didn't actually think that I was going to be able to lose more weight as soon as I hit that plateau when I lost a bunch of weight years ago. So I'm actually really enjoying this. What I probably will not enjoy, though, is having to buy new clothes because that's going to cost me some money. And then hopefully I have the money to buy new clothes. (laughs) But I'll worry about that another day. It's not like I'm dropping like 100 pounds or 50 pounds overnight. So that's it. 
All right. So I think that's all I have to say right now. And I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you enjoy um, a little bit about what goes on when you're diabetic and, you know, if it's making your head spin, I'm really sorry. Um, cause it certainly makes my head spin sometimes. And I just want to like throw out a flame out there and burn it all up and make it disappear. But I realize that this is a lifestyle. It's not necessarily a life choice. Um, it's just something that happens with age and something that I accepted between age and hereditary, um, heredity, I should say. Um, sometimes you're just a hundred percent prone of (laughs) getting what your father had or your mother had. So it's just one of those things. All right. So this has been Margaret Coleman Franklin. Remember, be kind to each other. I, I actually promised somebody I would do a good deed today. So since I normally do good deeds twice a day, I have two good deeds to do out there. So uh, one is my podcast, and now i got to go pick another good deed to do. But he, uh, this guy had the bathrooms closed, and he <laughs> allowed me to use it while I was there because he was just being kind. So now I'm going to go do something extra special for somebody today. So I hope that you do too, because I want being kind to be contagious. I want the whole world to be kind. I think it'd be great. Um, all right. So this, again, this has been Mark Coleman Fragwitz. I hope that you have a wonderful day, and until next time, my fellow diabetics, you take care and stay strong. Bye-bye.